from Stone Mountain, Georgia, this is The Bryant Land Show. Hosted by proud Gamecock and South Carolinian AB3. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Bryant Land Show. Thank you for taking the time to make the download, coming in, listening to what we have for you today. I hope everyone had a great Super Bowl experience. Enjoy their Super Bowl weekend. I was around a lot of Chiefs fans early on Super Bowl Sunday. I was actually working in Kansas, um, and I took a flight back from Kansas City to Atlanta on Super Bowl Sunday early in the morning, and there were obviously a ton of Chiefs fans that were on that flight uh, headed some of them headed to the game some of them just headed to Atlanta or to wherever that they were going but uh lots of uh red orange and yellow colors chiefs colors all over there in uh Kansas City and even driving down to Lawrence where I was working at in Lawrence Kansas obviously they were all about the chiefs so congratulations to them I know a couple of chiefs fans personally uh, that I'm happy for. So, you know, congratulations. Those guys, they got their Super Bowl win and uh, bragging rights for the next year. So good for them. Anyway, for as for the show today, my guest is Jonathan Wilkins. Now, if you go back and listen to uh, the archives of the uh, actual Bryantland Country podcast, uh, the title of our podcast last year, uh, before we switched it over to the Bryantland show this year, do a couple of podcasts with uh, Jonathan. Jonathan owns Black Duck Revival. So any of the uh, Black Duck Revival podcasts, and then I did another conversation with him called Summer Revival uh, last summer. And Jonathan is a really cool dude, a very intelligent, very smart guy. Like I said, he runs the Black Duck Revival down in Brinkley, Arkansas. Uh, it was a church that he remodeled and turned into like a bed and breakfast, kind of like a hunter's lodge, a place where you can uh, stay and camp at while you're down there um, hunting in uh, Brinkley, Arkansas. And man, we had a good time. We got to go hunting out in Arkansas in the flooded timber. First time I've ever done a flooded timber hunt. Um, It was me, Jonathan, his uh, buddy Elliot, it was great to meet him, and just three brothers, man, out in the timber in Arkansas, talking, having a good time, hunting ducks, and after everything was said and done, Jonathan and I sat down, and we had a little conversation uh, right there outside of the Black Duck Revival, so that is what I got for you today, that's what I'm presenting here today, like I told you guys earlier in the year, I wanted to do more face-to-face conversations uh, with my interviews. It was great just to be around him, kind of pick his brain, talk to him. And then when you record a podcast face-to-face, I mean, you get to see their reactions, their mannerisms, you know, just how they're, you know, basically having a conversation in person. And that's what I really enjoy about this interview. Like I said, I want to do more of those coming up this year, you know, schedule and time permitting. But anyway, today I got Jonathan. Great time, great interview. So I'm going to fall back. You guys kick back. I'm going to mash this old record button and you guys take a listen to my interview with Jonathan Wilkins from Black Duck Revival on the Bryantland Show. 
Bryantland. Man, I'm sitting here. Made it all the way down to Brinkley, Arkansas. I've had two episodes where I've talked to Jonathan Wilkins from Black Duck Revival, but I am actually sitting here outside of the Revival, man. This is a nice uh, setup you got down here in Brinkley. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Man, so since I last talked to you this summer, you got the Bungalow open now and mm-hmm. then the original Black Duck Revival. Have you made any other changes or anything to uh, to either one? Uh, man, just a little bit of updating to them and doing some backyard work and stuff. But they're, they're, the, the original church is pretty much the same as it was last year. And then I'm pretty happy with the way the bungalow came out. I was just kind of tweaking the backyard, getting it right for the folks that were staying here. Gotcha, gotcha. Man, so this morning we had a chance, well, I had a chance to experience Arkansas public land timber hunting. I've heard the stories about how it's the wild, wild west. Bruh. It, it, it's a little bit different down here, huh? Yeah, man. It's uh, you know, it's like pugilistic sometimes, <laughs> man. Uh, we, uh, me and a buddy, met up. You were still coming down from Fayetteville, so we met up at a boat ramp. I'd found a good hole yesterday. I was confident about being able to do some work in there. Yep. This morning, we get to the one boat ramp, and it's just chock full of people, uh, and they're all gone which was weird because they had launched their boats and gone into the woods before it was legal to do so. Mm-hmm. And so then it was crowded there. wasn't really a lot of room to launch, so I went to another boat ramp on the same river, and uh, the folks that were there had already launched. And I think it's because, you know, it's partially because I'm trying to access kind of smaller out-of-the-way boat ramps yeah, to try and get some woods that everybody doesn't know about. Right. But, uh... Everybody knew about them, and, you know, I waited till legal time to put in. We went to the hole. There was folks in it. We went down a little bit further to another hole. There were folks in it. Jeez. Uh, now, when, and when you said they went down there, like, obviously it was still dark. Mm-hmm. And they, let's just call it what it is, basically launched illegally because they were already out there before. Yeah, they, they it, launched early, yeah. Yeah, or early, Okay. Did they even like have like their stuff set up? Like, were they flashing you? Like, what? Yeah, you know? yeah, man. I saw. Uh, and look, I, I don't know if the people that were in the hole that I went into, if they launched before they were supposed to, or maybe they came from some other direction. I mean, <laughs> there's no way they could have got to where I was going from anywhere else. Right. But uh, yeah, they they shined a Q beam at me, and uh, I'm not gonna go set up on top of somebody. So right. We uh, just made another plan and uh, met you back at the boat ramp, loaded up the boat, drove about 10 miles north of where we had uh, initially intended to go to yep. and put into another ramp that I knew about with some timber that I'm pretty familiar with. Uh, it wasn't my first choice because of the water level, but we went in there and you know tried to do something. Yeah, I mean, and it turned out, like I said, for me, having never done it, before it was just cool just to see like all those tall like cypress trees like you see the stuff on tv or see like on the swamp people or something like that but to actually be in a boat being that flooded timber it was an experience for me like i i thoroughly enjoyed myself uh 
almost tore up every ligament in my leg trying to get back in the boat. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's to me that's all part of the experience. So I got no no complaints from from that standpoint, man. Well, man, uh, like I told you that it was going to probably be some tough hunting. I thought that with this cold weather up north and we had some, uh, you know, a little bit of wind today and it was bluebird, I thought we might be able to do pretty good. Um, and, you know, I could him and Han say that if we had gotten to the hole that I wanted to, we would have been able to do whatever, and I can say these guys did something wrong. Uh, but, I mean, truthfully, I've had a tough season. Uh, I wish I could say something otherwise. I had – a couple of amazing hunts, like just, I mean, I had the best hunt of my life this year, mm -hmm. but I also have had some tough hunts and I've put a lot of miles on my truck and I've put a lot of boat miles on and burnt a lot of boat gas. And I haven't had the season that I would have liked to have had. And, you know, today was a, I mean, we'll say what it is, man. It was a skunk. Right. Uh, but let's go back to, cause I heard you reference that a couple of times today. Um, you said one of the best hunts or the best hunt you uh, ever had. What was so like? What made it so great? Like, what? Why does that continue to stick out in your in your mind? You know, I kind of feel like it's uh, it's the culmination, you know, of a lot of years of trying to learn how to do something. So, you know, the first couple times I went duck hunting, somebody took me, and mm -hmm. we just hunted some kind of flooded weed fields. And, you know, shot some shovelers, and I, that's what got me hooked. Yep. And it was a couple years before I was actually able to access some timber and see what that was all about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unbelievable. It's, it's like one of my favorite things in the world to watch those ducks work down through the treetops. But, you know, even at that point, I wasn't capable of making that happen. I was going to have to go with someone. They were going to have to call for me. They were going to have to set up the decoys. I was just kind of a passenger. Yep. You know, and then trial and tribulation, I'm trying to find places. I'm learning how to get to timber holes that you can walk into because I don't have a boat. I'm, you know, years go by when I don't feel like I'm uh, as competent a, a duck caller as I'd like to be. Sure. And, you know, just year after year, you learn a little bit more. You get a little bit more proficient. Uh, you know, I finally got a boat that's not a death trap that I can... <laughs> You know, put put some grown men in and all your gear and go wherever you want to go. And, you know, I was able to do that today. But, uh, yeah, I guess that uh, that hunt that I was telling you about that was just so awesome is just everything went right. I went into timber that I had been studying and that I had learned. I was using knowledge from years past. I got in there and, you know, called called ducks down mm -hmm. i think i did a good job you know and i worked big groups of ducks i worked bigger groups than i'd ever worked before right and just was able to make it was able to make it a uh, do what you wanted to do mm -hmm. and you know like you said did that and then did it again and then it got tough and then i moved to a different uh some different spots and had some success and but i'm learning new spots doing that and it's just, and then we had a lot of warm weather. We had a lot of dry weather. There's a, there's lots of reasons. I think lots of people have had a difficult duck season here. Uh, but then about, by the same token, lots of people have done, you know, have done bang up and would probably <laughs> say that, man, you're just, uh, you're just not good at what you're trying to do. But like we talked about out there in the timber, man, you know, it's all part of the process, especially when you're not dealing with, 
generational or like communal knowledge. So right. like I don't have a dad or a grandpa or a cousin that can can show me holes or tell me where a river specific river gauge needs to be to be able to access this chunk of woods. That's all stuff that I'm just having to figure out and learn through trial and error. Right. So yeah, that's why some of those hunts I was telling you about were so great because it was it was me going I guess say over this course of 10 years, going from a complete and utter novice to being, you know, a competent and success, a successful hunter. Mm-hmm. And even to the point that I could bring somebody else into it and show them a good hunt. Right. So, yeah. And I mean, like we were saying, we were talking about out there, just stacking that knowledge, growing, you know, your knowledge like over years or over time and doing it and doing it. And like you said, becoming, you know, competent and proficient at it. I mean, that's the reward in itself. I mean, because, you know, you go back, you know, four or five years, obviously you know more now than you did then. And you know what to avoid, certain pitfalls that you can kind of navigate around. You're learning your hunting area, your land and stuff. You're becoming better at getting around on that. So there's a reward in that in itself, right? I mean, no, absolutely. And, I mean, I feel like this year has kind of been, this hunting season thus far has kind of been a lot of, you know, transition and learning for me because I, I moved out of that novice area you know, I've I've got about ten years now of you know harvesting deer regularly and yep. and learning different areas and killing ducks and squirrels and running trap lines and running trot lines for fish and yo-yos and all these different things. And then this year, I've kind of said, well, I want to intensify that knowledge. So, you know, I've been really trying to stretch myself as far as where I'm chasing ducks, Mm -hmm. uh, being willing to just go into a place blind, spend the time uh, to get in there and try and find something out. I've, you know, talked to some people, uh, hunted with some people that I didn't know previously. You know, early this season when I was doing all that bear hunting, uh, you know, part of me felt like, oh, you did all this work and you didn't end up getting a bear. But man, I learned so much about a part of Arkansas that I didn't know anything about. I learned about the terrain. I learned about the topography, what was growing there, what the animals were doing there, what sort of hunting pressure it gets. Yep. And I did eventually find that kind of mother load of sign that I was looking for. And so all those days previous, those weeks previously of me putting, you know, six to eight miles on my boots every day, going up and down these mountains, uh, I can bypass that next year and I can go straight to where I found all that heavy sign. Yep. And I know now what, you know, what a, I can tell the difference between a, a log that's been ripped up by a bear and one that's just, you know, been rotted up or been torn into it by an armadillo or something. So like we were talking about, it's in some ways I haven't had the success that I would have wanted to in some of my hunting this year, mm-hmm. but it it is, it's all cumulative knowledge and it's stuff that, I'm able to, you know, show other people they're uh, like the dude we were out hunting with today, Elliot. Like yep. I've taken him out three times and I've seen his level of proficiency get better every time. The first time he didn't know what to do. Right. You know, I'm having to do everything. Right. Now he's, 
you know, grabbing the boat. When I drive it up on the trailer, he grabs a boat, hooks it up, starts cranking it in while I'm getting out. It just makes makes stuff smoother. Yep. Uh, you know, he's telling you about some experiences that he had. There's reference points there that he didn't have before that, you know, I got to be a part of some of that. So, yeah, sometimes you've got to find uh, alternative uh, rubrics for success. <laughs> I like how you said that. The, but the thing to me about that is, you know, like because I was kind of watching him too today and just listening to him talk and talk about his experiences. And we always talk about, you know, like passing it on. And we are all pretty much in kind of like a the same group of people. Like you said, we didn't have, you know, like the knowledge passed down to us. We all kind of just got into this thing as adults, mm -hmm. still kind of trying to figure out, you know, what we're doing and learning as we go along. You know, we didn't come equipped with the knowledge that was passed down. But it's really it was really cool, like you said, to see him and his face light up you know, just from recounting, you know, certain stories or sure. certain experiences and stuff. And at the end of the day, a lot of times, you know, that's what it ends up being about is being able to pass it on and then to see somebody else grow like how you just said, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, I guess, you know, part of this you could say, well, like, uh, this fella's uh, trying to justify that, he took some dudes out and they didn't kill no ducks. <laughs> you know, That's what some people would say. And but maybe it, maybe that is part and, of it. But uh I mean I wish we had just banged them up today. Right. But uh it's like I was telling you before, man, when I was hiding the boat and I was walking back and I was watching you and Elliot talk. You know, we're like we're we're like three black men in this space that maybe a lot of people would say, you know we don't belong in or you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and we're out there talking, learning, having a good time. We're, we're not in competition with each other. We're not in competition with anybody. Right. Where, uh, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about sounds, identifying animals, looking at different behaviors. We're looking at the flora, the fauna, you know, I mean, there was even a point where you and Elliot thought that, uh, like an, Airplane had flown by. <laughs> it did. It sounded like a fucking plane. Excuse me, <laughs> but it did. Like, it, and you just kind of looked at me like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, man. That was that was greenheads that just were just disrespecting us and flew right over the top of our heads so low that you could hear that whoosh of air. Uh, but it was so funny because like I wish you the look on your face that we, it's funny because we were all we me and you both were talking about like resting faces and stuff. But the look on your face was just like, yeah, no, dumbass. That was not what you No, thought. no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> but you know, you do forget you forget sometimes that stuff is uh things that you've become familiar with right. or that become ordinary to you are not that way for somebody else. Like I took a uh a guy out who's a uh, wildlife biology major over at the uh, University of Idaho. Mm -hmm. And this kid was stoked about the idea that he might be able to shoot a wood duck. He was like, man, if I kill a wood duck, I'm getting it mounted. And I was like, you know, wood ducks in Arkansas timber are, and to a lot of people, they're considered gimmies or, you know, not worth shooting because they don't really work the way that mallards do. They just kind of drop in. Right. Uh, he was like, yeah, man, you know, I grew up hunting in Washington. We don't have very many of them. And so you start thinking about that. Like, yeah, of course, a wood duck is an unbelievably beautiful bird. Right. 
You know, and if you had never seen one, you'd be like, what is this? Right. You take it for granted. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah, man, it's uh, – there's a – there's a host of of ways that you can become better through being out through being immersed in the outdoors through hunting and fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really kind of look at it as like an existential examination, like a way to pose questions to myself, to examine the world that I'm in, and to try and be a better person. So when you put those sort of lofty ideals on it it helps take the sting out of and i wasn't as successful as i as i'd like to be you know and then you start looking back on like i remember when my entire goal was trying to kill a deer mm-hmm. like if i could just kill a deer any deer right i would feel successful you know and this year i ran out killed a deer ran it home you know was home by 8:30 with it yep. showed it to my little girl Skinned it, gutted it, quartered it, quartered it up, got it in the cooler, took a shower, and then the whole family went to the state fair. You know, it was like a, it was a morning activity. That was a good day, you know? Oh, it was a great day. <laughs> but the first deer I killed, man, all I did for that entire day was just look at that deer <laughs> all day long. I mean, I had, I butchered it, right. and I had the, uh, I had the head with the antlers on it. And, man, I would kept pulling it out of the freezer and looking at it <laughs> and just reveling in it. Yeah. You know, so – and it, it's not that it's still not an accomplishment to to harvest a deer. It's just that that rubric changes. You know, what you're measuring – those goalposts that you're measuring yourself up against, they're constantly in flux, very much like the natural world, very much like uh, a duck season might be. You know, you're, you're dealing with an animal that's by its very nature – is you know ephemeral it's here one day and then it's gone the next yeah. it's, it's moving from from a dry a dry field in minnesota all the way down to the the coastal marshes of louisiana and then up into the flooded timber of arkansas or maybe into missouri then maybe they're running down to mexico i mean they do all this stuff and there's a million reasons why and we can all scratch our heads and try and figure it out and look at the science yeah but uh you know, sometimes. But it's funny because even like you were talking about the changes, like when we were out there this morning, you know, you were saying, you know, like you came out here like uh, what it was like a week ago or whatever. And the water level is completely different than what it is, what it was when we were out there. Oh, I mean, it was feet different than a couple of weeks ago, but it had raised significantly since yesterday. Like I was out scouting, trying to find birds and find some holes yesterday. Uh I mean, probably till about four o'clock, mm-hmm. and within twelve hours, that water level had risen to a point that, you know, a lot of the holes that I were like gimme holes that I knew we could just run to yep. were too deep. And you know, but that was that was really kind of an education for me because I had so much on my mind and I was trying to scout a new piece of ground and trying to figure some stuff out, and I had looked at the gauges, but I didn't think about the fact that we had had that rain like four days ago we had a tremendous amount of rain four days ago and i should have known from experience that it takes three or four days for that water to get from further up north to dump down into where we went in today Mm -hmm. and so i should have been i should have been thinking about yeah that gauge has been dropping steady for a couple of days but once that rain water gets down here 
it's going to be on. And that's exactly what happened. When you say check the gauges, is that just something as simple as, you know, like how, you know, just for a normal day you go like on your weather channel app and look at the weather. Like that's something like that's online or something you check. Yeah, I mean, you can look at uh, like uh, like the USGS, uh, like the United States Geological Service. They've got uh, they've got water gauges at all sorts of, uh, I mean, mostly like at bridges and overpasses, things like that. But it'll be sending real-time data, and you go to the specific ones mm-hmm. that affect the places that you hunt. So like that place that we went today that yep. shall remain nameless so sure. no one knows about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I started figuring that out and and what the gauge meant like three years ago. And it's, I can look back at my notes and say, we hunted that hole, and when it was you know, 15 and a half feet at mm-hmm. that gauge, this hole was shin deep. Mm-hmm. So I know that when it's 15 and a half feet at that gauge, I can check that on my phone, I've got that place to go to. Gotcha. Or I know that when it's dropped down to 14 feet, that, uh, you know, a lot of those spots aren't going to have water in them. Right. So, you know, and then you can extrapolate that to north of here, south of here, all over the state. Uh, and it can get very regionally uh, and location specific. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, the next really big thing for you coming up, and we talked about it before, but now it's actually getting ready to happen. The revival that you've got planned for next week, January Forgive me if I got the dates wrong. 20... 23rd through the 26th. 23rd through the 26th, January 23rd through the 26th. And you got a group of folks coming in of all different, you know, color, creed, all that good stuff. Just a diverse group coming in. You putting them up in Black Duck Revival, and y'all going to go out, going to do some hunting, just do a whole fellowship. How you feel about it now? Because when we talked about it before... It was kind of like an idea and a plan that you was putting together. Now sitting here a week away, it's getting ready to happen. What, what your, what, how you feeling about it now? Man, you know, I've kind of got mixed emotions about it. I'm, uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous just, you know, because it's uh, anytime you're putting yourself out there, uh, you know, it, it takes a little bit of, uh, I guess, a little chutzpah. Uh, to borrow from our Yiddish friends. But, uh, man, I'm looking forward to it. Like, all the people that are coming are people that I, you know, I've talked on the phone to them. I've talked back and forth, uh, you know, through DMs and emails and text messages. Like, everyone seems like they're really cool, smart, nuanced. They're bringing different stuff to the table, different um, experience levels. We got some experienced waterfowlers. Uh like folks that are used to hunting Canada geese, which like I don't know anything about. I've never chased honkers. Yeah. Uh, you know, folks that elk hunt, they're muley hunting, they're bow hunters. Uh, a couple of them, it'll be their first time, I think, chasing waterfowl. It'll definitely be their first time here in Arkansas. Uh, like Brandon, the hunting student on Instagram, he said this is going to be his first out-of-state hunt. Oh, wow. So there's, there's all sorts of cool stuff like that going on. Uh, we've got some good meals planned for folks. Uh, I think some cool hunts we're going to – chase speckle bellies and we're gonna uh, hunt mallards in the timber and yeah just i think it's gonna be a really like a really broadening experience and uh i'm looking forward to it yeah i hate that i'm gonna miss it because i know you reached out to me pretty 
early on, but then, you know, things change and whatnot at work and with my schedule and stuff, I hate that I'm not going to be here to, uh, to see it and to participate in it. But it's funny because we, another conversation that we had just talking about, you know, social media and, you know, looking at social media and just its influence and, you know, separating what's, you know, real from what may be embellished or all the way together fake. This, you know, your revival basically been put together through social media. That's one of yeah. the positive. You know what I'm saying? No, like, absolutely, man. And it's, you know, it was weird. Like we've we've done two podcasts together. I've talked to you on the phone before. Uh, you know, text message back and forth a little bit. Um and it was actually strange. I was struck with it. So I guess what we probably met at that boat ramp about ten after five this morning. Yep. You know, never met each other. Right. You know what I mean? But it was <laughs> it was like immediately familiar, which is a weird thing because I've never uh you know, like I didn't, uh, like I've been with the same woman for so long. Like I never was on Tinder. Like I was locked in way before like dating apps and all right. that stuff. <laughs> Black so, people meet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I didn't really actually have a lot of, uh, experience with making friends on the internet for right, lack right. of a better term. Sure. Uh, yep. but man, it's actually been a really heartening experience because it's like, and when I reached out to you, like I just came across you on Instagram and I was like, dude, that's, I've never seen a brother posing with ducks before. I think it was actually geese. That picture I saw with you. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Geese. But, uh, I was like, Hey man, I was like, just wanted to say what's up. I'm not used to seeing this. You know, I think it's cool. If you ever want to come down to Arkansas, well, let's do a hunt. Uh, and you know, that was probably what, probably right on about a year ago, yeah, maybe right a little bit more. A, yeah. Right out and a year it, ago. You know what then happened? So uh yeah, I'm I'm actually really enthused. I'm really uh I'm really heartened by the whole uh by the whole process and man, I've met some some really cool people just going back and forth because you do if you follow someone and they're being authentic, you do kind of feel like you're starting to get a sense of them. Right. And you know, you start to see what people value when you look at a lot of their posts. So it doesn't mean that someone that posts like every day you know they're they're putting up a limit of mallards for 60 days a season like i oh man i wish i was doing that but <laughs> right. it doesn't you know that doesn't necessarily mean that we're diametrically opposed right you know uh if that's all they're doing maybe it seems a little repetitive to me but if they're doing that and they're talking about hey i took a new person hunting today or I did this, you know, here's a wild game recipe I came up with, or they're talking about diversity and inclusion and the outdoors and hunting, and just stuff that's important to them, or they're talking about their own personal stories. Or, right. You know, that, uh, I think you do, you are able to kind of get a sense of a person. And, uh, and man, it was really pretty easy. Like, I just sent some emails out to people I thought were cool and interested and say, hey, do you want a free, a free trip to, like, the duck hunting mecca of planet Earth? Right. And they're like, yeah, I'll take that. Right. But I, I was real uh, specific about uh, inviting people that I thought, like I said, were, I mean, the, the word I keep coming back to is nuanced. Yeah. Like people that were showing diversity in their experiences and their backgrounds, but also, uh, you know, kind of being uh, empathetic towards looking at other people's worldviews uh, 
not being divisive and and going back and forth and being right. involved or in this, having an agenda. Yeah, or, all this silly stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, people I think like, uh, like two of the uh, two of the folks that are coming, Courtney Nicholson and uh, Crystal Egley, uh, both ladies from Colorado that are really doing, you know, some some pretty amazing stuff as far as representation, and, you know, not I mean racially, experience wise, you know, gender wise. They're they're strong women who are unapologetically saying, look, this is me. This is what I do. This is how I like to do things. I'm, you know, some of it maybe I'm learning, some of it I'm experienced in, but I don't, I can create my own rubric. I can create my own uh, scale to, to judge myself against. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to fall into that very traditional idea about what a hunter is right well let me ask you this because i know for me it takes me a little bit to kind of warm up to people i'm very introverted i kind of stick to myself do sure. my own thing how hard was it for you to put yourself out there and to set this up like are you are you a by nature are you kind of introverted or you out you know uh extrovert or somewhere in the middle like was it hard to you know reach out basically blindly to you know a bunch of these folks after kind of sizing them up or whatever you know uh yeah it actually was a, a bit of a stretch <laughs> for me like I, yeah i'm not a uh i don't know i guess i'm not really gregarious by nature right. uh, i think i'm friendly and nice and like i like to talk but uh I'm kind of standoffish a lot of times, um, but you know that's kind of the thing about social media is you you kind of feel like you know somebody before you know them. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of took a, a deep breath and sent some emails out. But like I said, man, it's been really cool to see how how receptive folks are, and what I've really seen is because like, what do we just we spent the first fifteen or twenty minutes talking about. Uh, you know, in large parts, you know, some of my failures in hunting this season uh, or which you know, lack of success in, in a traditional. Right. I wouldn't say failure. Way. Like you say, lack of success. But I mean, and I don't want to get super deep with it, but lack of success by like, you know, what standard? Because yeah, we, were, we were talking about this as well. Sometimes if you go on social media and you don't have your mind right. You think you are like the scum of the earth or failure or just yeah, like yeah. a complete nobody. Mm -hmm. But I'm one of the belief in, you know, me and you were talking and you're kind of the same way. It's just like you got to kind of look at things and take them for what they worth. I mean, you can't, you know, get wrapped up in just social media or what, you know, people put on social media because you don't know the circumstances behind that. You don't know what's 100% authentic or what's, you know, embellished or of just a flat-out pose. You know what I mean? Well, i tell you what. That's kind of the point that I was getting to is that I think you can a lot of times tell what's authentic because I've had a lot of responses from folks that really seem to appreciate the fact that, you know, I'm being, I'm being very honest about what I'm doing. Right. So, you know, like I own these, you know, these small duck lodges. I would love to be able to say, man, all I do 
is kill limits of greenheads every single day that I go out. There's 60 days a season. I kill I kill a, a, a limit of mallards every single day in the timber. But that's not the truth. Right. And I get tired of seeing people that all they do is just post success, success, success. Uh, because it's been my experience that, you know, as with most things that require effort, a lot of hunting is not being successful. Right. And it's, and it's the thing that makes it so rewarding when you are, in my opinion, is that you've earned it, you know, and that maybe you realized, ah, oh, I should have come out here an hour earlier. Right. Or you realize that, man, I cannot get into this area when it's dry. So I'm going to wait until I got this wind and it rained the night before so I can sneak in here quiet. Yep. Or, you know, man, I, I really need to make sure that I'm, I'm orienting myself to the wind in the correct way. I mean, whatever it is, a million different things. Yep. But yeah, uh, to kind of close out the point. Yeah. I think that you can tell when folks are being authentic. I really do try and, uh, present myself in, in an authentic and honest way. And, Sometimes that's awesome stuff going on, and sometimes I'm frustrated. Uh, I try and be positive on social media. <laughs> uh, you know, at least, you know, with my attitude. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, man, I've had I've had quite a few people reach out to me and tell me that they, you know, enjoy following the stuff I'm doing and that they appreciate the, you know, the authenticity and the honesty about it because it is. It's hard. When you watch outdoor TV, it's to me it becomes very tiresome to see people just repeatedly kill you know the buck of a lifetime <laughs> or you know they've got these piles of birds or, right you know oh man I, I killed a big old rope dragger two days in a row like that's fantastic that's also very difficult to do regularly right without uh large amounts of money entering the equation Right. Or, like you said, the other thing, too, access. Access, yes. You know, that plays a, a part in it, too. And I think people don't, you know, take that into account. I mean, you know, certain folks, whether it be because of monetary or, you know, because of, you know, family or generations or whatever the case is, they just have different access than what other people have, and that plays a huge part in it. I think people gloss over that all the time. Well, yeah, and like we were talking about, I got a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter uh, and a nine-month-old daughter. But <laughs> So I said, look, in 10 years, I've been at this you know, fairly hard for 10 years. I said, in another 10 years, when my daughter's 12-and-a-half, 13 years old, if she says, uh, hey, I'm really interested in learning how to become a good duck hunter mm -hmm. or – you know, Dad, I've been watching you the whole time I've been growing up, and I would really like to try and chase a black bear in the national forest. Or I just want to be, become a really good squirrel hunter, or whatever it is. Right. I can cut her learning curve down so quickly, and hopefully, if I'm doing what I'd like to be doing, by the time she's that age, she's already got a lot of these skills, because I want her to be going out with me, Sure. you know, as she's growing up. But... Yeah, like we said, so she's not going to have to go put her boat in and go float around and get stuck and get hung up on a cypress knee and realize that she shouldn't have been in this chunk of water because it was too low and mm -hmm. this boat and whatever else. Because 
I'll have been able to kind of guide her along with that. And when you take that information, just from me, one person, but then you add a grandfather, cousins, older brothers and sisters, friends that do it, you know, you end up with a a communal and generational knowledge base right. that does provide a lot of access. So just that knowledge base is access without monetary stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Or you might just have someone who, yeah, we... uh we uh, kill big deer every year or we have a lot of really great duck hunts because they've got, you know, a piece of family property or they've got a, a, a family farm or whatever it might be. Right. That's access. Uh, so that's to go back to kind of the, the bigger point. Those are things that that temper me getting too down on myself when I'm not as successful as I'd like to be because I didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is all hard earned. It's coming from experience, and and it's coming from time. Right. You know? Putting, so, in the time, putting in the time, putting in the work, and, 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 and gaining the knowledge. Yeah, and seeing how things change over time. So, you know, I've, I've got enough of a basis that I can say, you know, four years ago when, uh, when all the trees budded out and then we got that hard frost. Mm-hmm. And it killed all, it killed the entire acorn crop pretty much for the entire year. I remember what that did to deer hunting because right. it was concentrating deer on these other, these soft mast sources. So if that happens again, I can say, hey, man, I don't need to waste my time hanging out under the same old white oak tree. I need to go and find those persimmons. Right, right. Kind of the same same thing I went through deer hunting this year, just, you know, going through and kind of having like a plan in place before the season, but then being out there and going out there more and more, you learn more about the deer, you learn more about where they travel. So next year I'll be able to, some of it I was able to make adjustments and be successful during this season. And then next season I already got a knowledge base. It's like a different starting point, a better starting point, I feel like, than then when I started this year. Yeah, man, absolutely. And that that really is an incredibly rewarding experience to have yep. because I mean, everybody knows down in their gut if they've earned something or if they haven't, Right. you know, and when you really earn something through your own hard work and volition, it's, you know, it's, it's a transformative experience. Like you become more than you were by your own hard work. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a, a real tenement of, you know, the, the evolution of humanity. I mean, so, you know, we're talking about killing ducks and killing deers and shooting squirrels and trapping coons. And, but then I think you can really effectively segue it into talking about, uh, you know, the potential of a, of a human being to realize their, their own potential. Right. And their own potential and their own skill. So when you finish up, this revival, have you kind of already got an idea or plans for doing another one? What's going to, or do you have anything like on deck that you kind of looking forward to getting back into? Man, yeah, I'm a, so like right now for the next week, I'm focusing on getting this first uh, Black Duck revival, revival uh, handled and hopefully have it be really successful. I'm going to start trying to hopefully move into some 
a little bit more involved content creation. Uh, I've got uh, something I'm stoked about coming up. Is a I'm buddies with a, a guy that probably a lot of people have heard of, Hank Shaw. He's a wild foods cook, uh, and I've done you know uh, I've done a few events with him, some dinners. We've worked together a couple of times, and he asked me if I'd come and kind of back him up and do kind of sous chef on a snow goose school that he's a. Uh, He's uh, doing here in Arkansas with a, a guide service. I, I think like the fourth through the eighth, or the fifth through the eighth of February. Mm-hmm. So I'll be over there doing that. So real quick before you, when you say a snow goose school, just how like breaking it down and like you know different recipes and stuff. Yeah, like man. That? Like so, folks will uh, folks will go out and hunt with Hank. Yeah, and uh, you know they'll be targeting snow geese for that conservation hunt, and then they'll come back. Uh, we'll. I'll just, you know, and this is all Hank's deal. I'm just kind of backing him up on it. But, you know, we'll show him how to wax pluck birds, um, some maybe some identification on some of these birds, how to get them clean, different ways mm-hmm. to clean, process them. We'll work on some different recipes you can do with them. We'll cook them some really cool, meal, cool meals. So, like, we did it a couple years ago. We did, like, a duck. It was, like, a combination duck and snow goose kind of school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we made a – we're showing them how to wax pluck birds. We were uh, showing them – we uh, we cooked a uh, like speckle belly schnitzel. We did you know fried. We were wow. doing fried rabbit and caramelized onion gravy. We were doing uh, dirty rice made with the gizzards and the hearts and the livers of uh, ducks and snow geese and squirrels. Huh. So just doing some some cool stuff that shows folks some of the potential for some of the uses for wild game. And, you know, also that whole thing, kind of like what I'm kind of trying to accomplish at the Revival, uh, you know, there's time to, like, fellowship, hang out, uh, get to talk to like-minded individuals. And, you know, these are all fans of Hank's and uh, and his website, uh, Hunter Angler Gardener Cook. So, you know, I'm sure there's a big aspect of that is that they get to hang out with someone that they've really come to to enjoy and respect through, you know, his uh, his cookbooks and through social media. Nice. Nice. And then, so after you do that, so you got the revival, you got the cooking. That'll probably take you what, right into the spring and summer. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to, uh, I'm looking at a couple different avenues for it, but I'm probably going to try and do uh, a couple of wild game cooking tutorials, uh, you know, for maybe this first half of the year. Uh, when we come back up on summer, we'll do... Uh, We'll do the second annual uh, Black Duck Revival Fish Fry. So hopefully some more folks will come out to that. We'll have a good time. And I'm really interested in doing a little bit of traveling and doing some hunting out of state. I'm looking at possibly going to Montana to do a DIY black bear hunt. Uh-huh. You um, are all about them bears, huh? Man, I'm fascinated with them. Uh, I really am. And... You know, that, going to Montana and doing it, uh, it's really a very, you know, affordable tag. I mean, you probably had, I'd have more in gas than I would in the tag. <laughs> and uh, and then it's just a deal, you know, where find a trailhead yep. and start walking and just put time in. And, you know, I've talked to some folks that live in Montana. They've given me a little bit of advice. It seems like it's something that's that's doable to go out there and, and accomplish. But, you know, even on that, on that, uh, that hand, if I did go out there and do that, and I've had a couple of invitations to hunt some different places, Pennsylvania and Colorado and whatnot this next year, and I'm going to try and find a way to make it all happen. But, 
you know, even if I don't come back with the quarry that I'm seeking, you know, I mean, that's kind of a, like we were talking about it earlier. Like I remember 10 years ago when I used to just go to a deer stand 200 yards away or 300 yards away from where I lived. And I was, you know, nervous and apprehensive and scared about walking in the woods in the dark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In this place that I lived at and was around just because it looked different than it did all the rest of the time that I saw it and experienced it. To go from that level to then say, man, I'm going to drive to the other end of the country to a place where there are grizzly bears that I've never been at before. And I'm going to go into the woods and, you know, sleep in a tent and try and try and pursue this uh, this kind of foreign animal to me. Like, you know, I take I take some pride in that, that I feel like I've gotten to the level that I can do that. Right. Uh, and then it's going to be archery, right? No, that if I do go to Montana, that would be a gun hunt. Okay. They do like a spring uh, spring gun bear hunt up there. Okay. Uh, I was talking to a fella, a uh, nice guy that reached out to me about possibly going to uh, Pennsylvania to bear hunt. Uh, talked to some folks about pronghorn hunting. Uh, you know, just... Uh, you know, it's a great big world out there, uh, <laughs> and you know I'm excited to to try and make the most of it and experience say, some you, different stuff. You're not afraid to go and tackle it. Well, man, it's the only look. I'll be totally honest with you, man. I sometimes feel feel like I'm a I'm nothing but afraid. You know, like <laughs> I mean, like let's get real deep here for a second. Like everyone's a host of their own insecurities and you know, feeling they've fallen short in this way or the other and disappointments. I'm not saying that's all anyone is, but, you know, everyone's got that stuff in them. I have found that the way to get past that is to kind of jump, you know? I'm not saying foolheartedly. Right. But, you know, you've got to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. You've got, there's got to be some struggle for you to grow. Uh, and now hopefully you don't, have only struggle because nothing but struggle is not a recipe for growth. It's right. a recipe for diminishment. Right. But, you know, having to, to struggle a little bit and test yourself and get better, you end up better. And then the people around you, you know, the people in your circle, your unit, they get better because of that as well. And so, you know, for me specifically, the way that I'm really focused on pursuing that you know, self-exploration and growth is through hunting. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, man, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm going to have to get back on this road here. But before we get out of here, man, just let everybody know where we can find you at and then make sure you post, like, a lot of pictures and videos and content of the revival, man, because I definitely want to see that. Man, I'll definitely do that. Man, I'm super, super stoked that you – uh you hollered at me and told me you were coming to Arkansas, and I'm glad we got to go out there and hunt. Uh, and look, man, just come next year because, like I said, I, I want to make this revival uh, just kind of an annual thing, man. So let's try and figure out a way to make it happen well, for next year. The fish fry, if you can get the fish fry somewhere in June or July, I will brave the, the, the heat and the humidity. Oh, dude. Well, that's when it's going to be, man. So, yeah, come on. Okay. We'll make it, we'll make it right, man, and uh, we'll find some cool stuff to do, man. Maybe we can— uh, what can we do that time of year? It's always ATVs. You know, I don't own one, man. I've never. What? I've uh, yeah, I've. That was the first thing that I got. That was like my entry level. Like, 
I, I had always wanted one. I grew up in a, on a dirt road in South Carolina, and the first chance that I got to the point where I could afford an ATV, that was the first thing I got. And we would go all over. Me and my son, we rode in Louisiana. We rode in Louisiana at night, like in the swamps. Oh, wow. Um, Texas, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia. Like, we'll find either a park or basically the equivalent to the um, – like national the hunt national forest. A lot of times yeah. in the summer, the national forest they have like ORV trails, off road trails. Sure, yeah, they got some of those. Yeah, here. and then we'll hit those. But that's uh, cool, man. I uh, you know my my duck boat's kind of like my version of a, of an ATV. I was about to say if we got water levels right, we can always fish. Hey, man. Oh yeah. Well, obviously fishing, and man, there is fantastic fishing around Brinkley. All that stuff we were in today, we were talking about. We could go and we can go in there and wear out crappie this summer if you wanted to. We could pair, pull out a bunch of big catfish. Uh, you noodle? Yeah, man. I've never noodled. Oh no! Wait, 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 wait a second. No noodle. No, I was thinking fishing noodles. Oh. No, I've never done that, man. I was about to say I don't know if I can underwater that you can't see. It. I don't know about that. See, man, but. I'd like to do that, but I'm gonna have to go. The first time with somebody that that knows what's a professional, yeah, 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 man. Because I mean, people lose fingers doing that, kind of thing. <laughs> right? Right. But uh, yeah, man. Let, yeah, let's definitely find a way to uh, to get together again. And yeah, man, if you want to come to the fish fry, if you want to come next next year to the revival, man, let's just make it happen. Yep, we'll get it done. Where can uh, folks find you at to get it, keep up with you, and all that stuff? Yeah, man. So like before, man, I'm most active on Instagram. It's just uh, Black Duck Revival on Instagram, or you go to the website, that's www.blackduckrevival.com. Word. You still got all the recipes on the uh, on the website and stuff? Yep, I got recipes, and uh, coming up here, once we get towards the end of hunting season, man, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna make a real point in an effort to, to post more regularly as far as doing some really cool wild game recipes, uh, getting some more articles up there, and I'd really like to uh, start reaching out to to folks that I think are cool and interesting and start maybe having them write uh, some articles for the website as write well. Write some blogs. That would yeah. be dope. Awesome. All right, John. I appreciate you, bro. All right, man. Be All good. Right, you too. So just a quick update. Uh, when we recorded that interview, Jonathan was getting ready for his first annual Black Duck Revival. It was like an event where he's breaking together different you know, people from uh, different walks of life, uh, different uh, folks of color and background and everything just, you know, coming together, hunting, talking, sharing ideas. And I'm happy to report that it went off without a hitch. I have talked to Jonathan since then. Um, he said it was a great time. It was a great event. I know he's looking forward to doing it again. I hope I can participate in it uh, the next time that he has it. I was unable to go. I really wanted to be there. But nevertheless, it went off. Great things being done in Brinkley, Arkansas, by my man Jonathan Wilkins. Uh, once again, want to thank him for being a guest on the Bryantland show. I really appreciate him taking the time, uh, especially after you know our day out there in the flooded timber to take the time and have a conversation with me. So uh, great things coming from uh, Jonathan. Make sure you guys go and check him out on the uh, Black Duck Revival and all of his social media sites. He's also got some cooking things going on, too, on his blog, man. He's got some recipes and stuff that I need to kind of make some copies, download, 
and uh, give those recipes a try, man. I mean, Jonathan, he's a very eclectic dude, man. He is not one-dimensional at all, so uh, make sure you check this, check that fellow out. Uh, real quick, I want to send a shout-out to uh, Elliot, Mr. Griffin, to you on the old Instagram. Man, I had a great time meeting that brother, um, just sitting there and talking to him. Never met him before until the day uh, that morning that we went out and uh, hunted in uh, Arkansas. Man, I really enjoyed talking to that fella, and uh, so I just want to send a shout-out to him. As for me, before I get ready to get out of here, just want to let y'all know that BryantLandCountry.com is the website. It's still up and running, blood pumping and kicking, man. Go on over there, get you some Bryantland merchandise, check out our videos, check out past podcasts, everything that you need, one-stop shopping, BryantLandCountry.com. Like I said, I'm going to get ready to get up out of here. I'm going to have another show for you guys next week. Going to be a banger, kick-ass show. Got the uh, patriarch of the Power Circle Outdoors, Mr. William Bubba Ray. I had a chance to sit down and talk to him. So it's going to be all about Power Circle Outdoors and William Bubba Ray next week. Make sure you check that out. Thank you again for downloading this show. Make sure you tell five people to tell five more people. And I'm going to catch all y'all back here next week on the Bryantland Show. Y'all have a good one.